Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We've got another big episode on tap. A lot of rumors swirling about some potential new players coming to Somerset. We will address those rumors later in the episode. We're coming off of a six-game series against the Erie Seawolves. We'll recap that. Got the Richmond Flying Squirrels coming in for a six-game set. We will preview that series as well as the Patriots are in the thick of a very important stretch to their 2021 schedule. But before we get into all of that, I'm joined alongside Brandon Pelter. And Brandon, as always, the most important question of the day. How are you doing, my friend? Really looking forward to uh, some baseball here being played in front of us tomorrow night. It should be uh, very exciting getting a series started with the Richmond Flying Squirrels. So doing well, Mark. Yeah, it should be uh, it should be a fun and interesting series and, and, and probably a pretty telling series as well. Uh, another telling series that we saw this past week, Somerset traveled over to Northwest Pennsylvania and had a six-game series against the Erie Seawolves. Let's take a look back at how that series went. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! So, Brandon, you know, a six-game set, the Patriots, overall, they dropped four of six. Now, in the grand scheme of things, dropping four of six, of course, it's not ideal. You want to improve your record every opportunity that you get. But really only losing one game in their overall record, when you when you look at going two and four over the week, um, you know some positives to take away. What are your thoughts, sort of exiting uh, this big series against Erie? Well, I think um, probably one of the biggest frustrations for the Patriots dropping those four games is really all but one of those seemed like it was potentially within <laughs> within reach, and for the SeaWolves. They just got the big hits late, whereas the Patriots' bats kind of fell quiet, especially, you know, in that second and third game. They had the lead in the uh, in the contest, up two to nothing in both of those games. But it was late Seawolves hits and an inability for the Patriots to produce any kind of runs outside of the long ball, specifically in those games. Uh, that kind of got them. I think uh, the pitching continued to stay really strong. Jansen Junk highlighting uh, that effort for the Patriots. Sean Semple looked pretty good as well collecting another win so there were definitely plenty of positives for the Patriots yeah I want to go into one thing specifically that you mentioned there I mean there's a ton to talk about from this last series uh, but the home run ball for this Patriots lineup they've been so dependent on that uh, you know we've talked a lot about Dermis Garcia this season um, you know he leads the team with 11 home runs he did have a home run in the first game of this series but in the first three games the Patriots scored two runs each time a two-run home run from Dermis Garcia, a two-run home run from Diego Castillo, a two-run home run from Oswaldo Cabrera. And then in the fourth game of the series on Friday night, they scored five runs. Four of them came on home runs, a three-run shot from Oliver Dunn, uh, a solo home run from Oswald Peraza. Uh, they were shut out on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they scored two runs, one of them coming on a Michael Beltre um, solo home run. And the only other two runs that they scored in the series, aside from home runs, one was on a double steal. 
that brought a runner home from third base. And the second run that they scored that was not on a home run was a fielder's choice that Michael Beltre hit into yesterday that Diego Castillo scored from second on because Erie failed to turn two. So there were two outliers, but really this Patriots lineup has depended on the home run so much. Uh, in your opinion, Brandon, you know, is this a sustainable thing for this team moving forward? Yeah, I think it's a little concerning, uh, to be quite frank with you. Now, in a uh, large scale in baseball, sure, the long ball has been the way to to create offense really throughout the past couple of seasons. But if that's the only way that you're creating runs, I think that's kind of difficult. It puts a lot of stress on the uh, pitching staff. I mean, especially when, you know, in uh, what was that game two with the Oswaldo Cabrera home run in the very first inning, they didn't score a single run the rest of the game. And so it, it, then almost falls on the pitchers when you have a lead for seven innings and then they give it up late. You kind of put that uh, that game on the pitching staff, but wait a second. The offense really didn't produce. So I think it's a little alarming. It's certainly not what we saw the first uh, first couple games of the season, first couple weeks, I should say, uh, for the Patriots. But again, keep in mind, as we've said really all throughout, that was against teams that have really continued to struggle this season. Harrisburg, Hartford, New Hampshire hasn't been great. Reading certainly hasn't been good by any stretch. So I think it's getting to a point where, and we'll have another good opportunity against the Richmond Flying Squirrels this week to really see how the Patriots stack up. But if this becomes a trend where they rely offensively on the long ball, there's cause for concern. Well, before Friday's game, I actually got a chance to catch up with Somerset Patriots manager, Julio Mascara and asked him this very same question about the team's dependency on the home run ball. And here's what Julio had to say. No, it's not really a concern at stage. You know, we, we have to do things in organization and some of the stuff that we do. And, you know, we just got to make sure we stay positive and, you know, keep helping our players mentally and prepare and go out there and, you know, do what they do every single day. And, and it's something that, you know, we just got to stay, like I said, we stay positive and help them out and, trust him and what they're doing. So, of course, home runs have been so important for this Patriots team, and uh, we'll see how that continues in this upcoming series against Richmond. But, Brandon, I also want to pivot to the pitching side. Um, you know, you mentioned Jansen Junk earlier. I think that's where we have to start uh, because he had arguably his best start and one of the best starts we've seen from a Patriots pitcher this season. Uh, that came uh, on uh, Sunday against the Seawolves. Yeah, twirling another gem. He went six innings, just three hits, no runs, a walk and nine Ks in the win. He looked really strong, and keep in mind, going uh, a couple appearances back when he came out of the pen going four scoreless relief innings, too. I mean, he has really looked so solid for the Patriots, and I guess it's pretty hard to stand out on this pitching staff, right? I mean, there are so many good pitchers, uh, but he just continues to put together pretty consistent efforts. Well, right now, Somerset is operating with a six-man rotation, mm -hmm. and that, of course, could change, and later in the uh, uh, in the show, we'll talk about some of the ways that that potentially could change currently for Somerset. Uh, but right now, as it currently stands, uh, the Patriots have Luis Hill, Sean Semple. Uh, I'm, I know I'm going to forget somebody. Glenn Otto, Jansen Junk, Matt Crook, and J.P. Sears. Mm -hmm. Six starters uh, that all have had their own successes. I mean, Hill's been very has been electric. 
there's been a couple of starts where he's struggled a little bit. Uh, Matt Crook, who struck out a season-high nine batters over five innings on Saturday, has been very impressive as well, though he did allow three runs. Um, Otto's been hit hard, but he still has those high strikeout numbers. You know, moving forward for this Patriots team, seeing this six-man rotation, you know, I, I see a rotation that's had a lot of success that that should be continue to be a strong part of this team moving forward. Absolutely. I, I there has been not much to doubt for the uh for the Patriots pitching staff, especially when you look at uh starting to ball games and the ending to the ball games. And uh Greg Weissert, uh Steven Ridings has uh been there as well in some higher leverage uh situations. But I mean the starting pitching has been phenomenal. There really aren't a whole lot of holes period uh for the Patriots pitching staff and you know that could just get even more exciting here in the next couple days even with potential moves that uh that we see from the New York Yankees well Somerset collectively is a pitching staff at 3.09 ERA that is the best among uh all teams in the double a Northeast League uh, it is also the best combined team ERA uh for any team at the double a level um, across all of Double uh, A baseball, and you know those strong numbers continue. Uh, the team has a 1.15 WHIP. That's the best among all Double A teams. Uh, they have 425 strikeouts collectively. That also is the most among all Double A teams. Uh, and really, it's not even close. The next closest team in terms of strikeouts is Bowie. They've got 393, which is unbelievable because the Patriots missed a game a couple weeks ago. They uh, they did not play a game against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats when uh, when we got rained out on that Sunday. So imagine if they had that one extra game. I mean, that's the way they've been pitching. Almost guaranteed another ten strikeouts. Yeah, it's uh, you know it. It seems, and we've talked about two things so far in the podcast here, Brandon and. I feel like we always circle back to this, whether it's on our podcast or whether it's on the game broadcasts, but home runs and strikeouts. Mm -hmm. That's been such a huge part of baseball as a whole, and it's really been the story of this Patriots team so far this season. And the Yankees, too. I mean, it seems top to bottom in the Yankees organization, especially they've embraced the long ball. You look at the big hitters that they brought in as an organization, and you look at the big pitchers that they have. You know, the big signing with Garrett Cole. What does he do? He strikes guys out. Uh, so that's that's been a, a focus, I think, in the organization top to bottom, in addition to all of baseball. But the Yankees seem like one of the teams that has embraced that maybe the most in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, w one other note I wanted to bring up, um, you know, on how the Patriots have been doing offensively lately. Uh, looking at the first inning for this Patriots team, I'm not sure if you got a chance to see this, Brandon, yet. Um, I was doing some research yesterday into it. The Patriots in the first inning have been redonkulous this season. Uh, this is entering yesterday. I didn't do any of the stats after yesterday's ball game, but the Patriots uh, went down one, two, three quietly in the first inning on uh, on Sunday. But Somerset has hit 15 home runs in the first inning this season. It was nine more than any other team in the AA Northeast League entering yesterday, and it was six more than any other team in all of minor league baseball across all levels. And in addition to that, they were hitting 327 as a team in the first inning. Now, what that says about this team, you know, they've had some huge first innings we've seen this yeah. season. And, and maybe those numbers are inflated a little bit by a couple of outlier performances. But when you have a team that is able to get off to a really strong start early, 
and then you have some strong starting pitching to back that up. Granted, you know, Somerset has gone up against teams aside from Erie that have more so struggled this season, but that's a recipe for success, right? Absolutely. I mean, night number one here in the AA affiliation and here at TD Bank Ballpark started out with what we probably couldn't have scripted being any better. I mean, Luis Heal getting the start and then Estevan Florio going deep the first at-bat for the Patriots and they they put, what, a, a five spot, a seven spot, five, eight, five spot yeah. against the uh, Harrisburg Senators there in the bottom of the first inning. Um, I just think that it seems down the stretch where they've really struggled the past week or so, uh, going back to the last game against the Reading Fighting Fills into this uh, into this series against the Erie Seawolves that they've relied offensively really solely on that either the first inning mm-hmm. runs or whatever inning the outbreak has been in and really hasn't been that much of an explosion but whatever inning that big hit comes in they've relied on that one moment whereas Erie was able to piece together moments throughout either innings in late stretches or um or you know in just one inning they were able to put together more than just one big hit big picture now Brandon you know we talked going into this Erie week that you know Somerset their first four series of the season, they had two against New Hampshire, one against uh, Reading. Oh, at first five series of the season, two against New Hampshire, one against Reading, one against Hartford, one against Harrisburg. All teams collectively uh, significantly below 500. Erie, on the other hand, right now has the second best record in the AA Northeast League, and the Seawolves did take four of six from the Patriots. So big picture speaking here, Brandon, are there certain takeaways that we can um, have after this series on where the Patriots stand as a team in this league, or are we still looking for some more information? Well, look, I think the jury's still out, right? And what happens when Somerset, first of all, at the snap of a finger, a move is made in the organization, and a player or maybe multiples come here to Somerset, and that completely changes the game. I also don't want to get kind of stuck in labeling a weak stretch because this is a long season, even though it's down to only 120 games versus 140 or 162, it's still a big season ahead and guys are going to struggle. And, uh, and at times you'll have groups of guys struggling, but that just means that groups are going to snap out of it. Just like when we had the on base streak, we had what three altogether of guys with 12 plus, um, games on reaching base safely with Donnie Sands, Michael Beltre, and uh, who is the last one in that group? I think uh, Gilliam. Isaiah Gilliam, that's right. So, you know, you those things are going to come and go. I don't really want to label it, but there's definitely uh, the Patriots need a little bit of a bounce back uh, this coming week. Well, it, it's going to be a big upcoming week. The Richmond Flying Squirrels, another team uh, above 500, and they come to TD Bank Ballpark for a six-game series beginning Tuesday night. Neshanik Valley Golf Course is a 27-hole championship course located in Neshanik Station. Hit the links at one of New Jersey's top five ranked public courses that hosted numerous amateur championships and also features a nine-hole academy course, Callaway Golf Performance Center, and the Learning Center. Open all year except New Year's Day and Christmas. Visit NeshanikValleyGolf.com for more information or to book your next tee time. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. 
with the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Mark Schwartz joined by Brandon Pelter. So, Brandon, we talked about this last series against the Erie Seawolves. The Patriots dropped four of six. When we previewed that series, we really talked about this upcoming three-week stretch for Somerset. The six games against Erie, the six upcoming games against the Richmond Flying Squirrels, and then the six games after this Richmond series in Portland against the Sea Dogs. So now we're approaching the middle series of this big three-week stretch. What can you tell me about this Richmond team coming in? Well, they are 21-15, and 15, which actually gives them uh, the second-worst record in the AA Southwest Division of this uh, AA Northeast League. Although, if you put them in the Northeast with the Patriots, they would be in uh, in second place just ahead of the uh, Portland Sea Dogs, I believe. So their ranking in that Southwest is not exactly indicative. They did the start the season 8-1, and one, uh, but that was against a pairing of Hartford and Harrisburg, two teams that, uh, as we've chronicled plenty, have struggled a ton. They took four of six against the Harrisburg Senators last week, and they have some, as everybody else across the league, some really good prospects. Yeah, I want to start on the position player side. Uh, Helio Ramos seems to be uh, one of the guys that really jumps off the page. Yeah, he is a uh, consensus top three Giants prospect, slashing 281, 374, and 477 so far this season. At just 21 years old, he's really uh, elevated throughout this uh, Giants organization quite quickly. He was a first-round draft pick uh, back in 2017. In 2019, at just 19 years old, played some with the Richmond Flying Squirrels, and uh, here he's back. Athleticism runs in the family. His brother Henry uh, was also an outfielder, made it to the AAA level. Uh, other older brother Hector is a former professional soccer player, so uh, quite a um, an athletic bunch. He's from Guaynabo, Puerto Rico, and uh, so far, you know, like I said, in 2019 he was at AA. Last year he spent uh, time at the alternate site and in instructs. And he's a guy that uh, is power over hitting, although he is so far hitting that 281. Uh, and he can spread the ball to all fields, something that, uh, as we've seen, with uh, with certain formations along the Patriots infield and, and putting uh, that on some different hitters, uh, not everyone can do that at this level. So Ramos at the uh, position player side has been very impressive, and there's a, a very tall right-handed throwing pitcher uh, on the uh, on the pitching side. It's uh, Sean Jelly. Yeah, I I almost think tall that in and of itself is a little bit of an understatement. He is six foot eleven, and if he were to make it to the bigs, which is certainly a good possibility, he would match John Roush as the tallest major leaguer ever to make it uh, up there. He's 24 years old, and he's a uh, top 15 guy. MLB Pipeline calls him the 11th ranked Giants prospect. Baseball America says 13th, the 2018 second round draft pick. And uh, he is a Kentucky product, really has made a uh, pretty quick ascent throughout this 
uh, this Giants organization um, and has really, really good control, which especially for a big guy, you don't always see because it's that body body control and the big lanky arms and legs that can tend to get into the way for guys. Yeah, I remember uh, with... Uh John Hunton here during the Atlantic League days. Hunton standing at six feet nine inches, so not as tall as Jelly, but uh, you know, still a big guy. And you have that sort of downwards uh, trek when he's on the mound, working downhill towards batters. And you know, so far Jelly this season has had his deal of success. I mean, you know, looking at his numbers, nothing really jumps completely off the page. Uh, over thirty-three innings of work, he's three and one with a three-five-one ERA. Uh, he's one of the big pitchers to watch. And, you know, overall, looking at this Richmond club, both on the hitting side and the pitching side, you know, kind of middle of the pack for the most part for, for hitting. Uh, the team has a 237 batting average, which is kind of middle of the pack. Uh, they are towards the bottom of the, uh, of the list of double-A Northeast teams and home runs. Only 29 home runs as a club so far. So, so their success has come... You know, more so with rallies, whereas the Patriots have depended a little bit more on the long ball. Absolutely. Richmond does not have a, a single player with more than five home runs. They have a trio at that five mark. And, you know, I guess also for the Patriots, take away Dermis Garcia. They don't have a single player over five home runs, but Garcia, of course, with 11. That's a, a pretty hefty jump there. So um, for the Flying Squirrels, as you said, they're not necessarily going to uh, power the ball a long way and uh, maybe this is a good opportunity once again for the Patriots pitching staff to really shut down a ball club and give this offense for Somerset a little more time to, to get back into the groove. Yeah and Richmond has you know they've played in games that seem to be on the lower end of the scoring scale. I mean their team ERA it ranks second in the uh, AA North Leagues, the Patriots have a 3.09 ERA. The Flying Squirrels a 3.29 ERA uh, collectively a as a staff. And looking at some of their um, their scores in the games, good amount of low scoring contests, which would lead me to believe, Brandon, that this is a this is a series coming up that Somerset actually matches up pretty well. It's a team that's kind of built for these low-scoring games where like a home run here or a home run there could provide the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think especially where the offense sits right now, that makes a lot of sense. Although I will say the way that the Patriots pitching staff is constructed, you know, they, they can match well with just about any team in the league. Although, uh, like you said, the way that Somerset has been hitting, this puts them in potentially a really good position to uh, to have a lot of success this week. So the Richmond Flying Squirrels, they're coming in for a six-game series. Uh, first pitch on Tuesday night will be 7.05. It's going to be a big week here in Somerset. It's a Father's Day weekend. We've got our schools out for the summer back-to-back -back firework shows on Friday and Saturday. So not only are we anticipating a good team coming in with Richmond and a couple of uh, big prospects to keep our eyes out on, uh, but also a lot of fun here at the ballpark. Big crowds, big fireworks, Father's Day celebration on Sunday. It should be a fun week upcoming here at TD Bank Ballpark. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A.
Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. Green Knoll Golf Course, located in Bridgewater Township and less than five minutes from Route 22, is the original Somerset County Park Commission course. Since 1960, golfers have enjoyed the rolling layout with slight elevation changes throughout the course. Green Knoll Golf Course also features a nine-hole pitch and putt course with holes ranging from 40 to 100 yards. Call 908-722-1301 or visit greennollgolf.com to book a tee time today. All right, we're back here on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. And Brandon, you know, there are some rumors. We did want to talk about this. Um, you know, last week, on last week's episode, we talked about a couple of guys on each team in the New York Yankees minor league system. We sort of did more of a deep dive. We looked at the Tampa Tarpons, the Hudson Valley Renegades, uh, and the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders to see and, and get more of a gauge on the prospects that are in the New York Yankees' current organization. Um, so we want to continue to do that today, but there is and are some rumors that we do kind of want to talk about, and we should preface this entire conversation by saying we don't have any insight Right now, we are recording this on 1230 on Monday afternoon. There's been no uh, information that's been posted. There's been no uh, transactions that we've been made aware of. So uh, we don't have any extra information uh, at this point. However, uh, Josh Norris, a, uh, a writer over at Baseball America, he used to cover the New York Yankees organization. He was covering the uh, AA Yankees affiliate when they were still down in Trenton a number of years ago. Uh, he tweeted out, on Sunday that he had heard that uh, Luis Medina, Ken Waldachuk, and Hayden Wesneski, all three right-handed pitchers that have had a lot of success with high A Hudson Valley, uh, are going to be promoted to double-A Somerset. Now, again, we don't have a confirmation on this. However, it is worth talking about because we talked last week about a lot of the prospects, and these were three names that came up in our conversation last week. So if these three, or any of these three really, were to be transferred to Somerset, how significant of a move would that be for the Patriots? That would that would really be big for Somerset. And it's funny because last week, the name that I think we led off with was Oswald Peraza. And sure enough, not even 24 hours later, uh, he got the call up to Somerset. I think uh, the name that we really have to start with first is Luis Medina. He's on the Yankees 40 man at uh, just 21 years old out of the Dominican Republic. He was signed as uh, an international free agent back in 2015. And he has been just an absolute stud for Hudson Valley over with the Renegades. We had uh, PatriotsBaseball.com reporter Mike Ashmore saw him in person this past week against the Brooklyn Cyclones. He was touching 101 on the radar gun. And, and so far this season, he's got a 2.760 RA. What stands out is the same thing uh, that stands out for Luis Hill, and that's the strikeouts. 50 Ks over 32 and two-thirds innings pitched. Both pitchers have 50 Ks. Uh, Medina's only worked two innings more. So he uh, really has been very good for the Renegades in that starting rotation. Yeah, Medina, according to Baseball America, prior to the season, uh, Baseball America said that Medina had, quote, the best pure stuff in the Yankees system. Uh, they also went on to say he has three of his pitches are potentially plus, including an upper 90s fastball that peaked at 102 with the alternate site and a double plus hammer curveball uh 
So impressive stuff. I mean, on an 80-grade scale, he's got a 70-grade uh, for his fastball, a 60-grade for his changeup, a 70-grade for his curveball. So those are three really, really high marks for Medina. However, Brandon, when we talk about Luis Medina, one thing that we do have to talk about is his struggles with command. Mm -hmm. That has plagued him throughout all stops in his professional career, and it looks like it's continued so far this season at Hudson Valley. Well, again, I mean, to continue the comparison with Luis Heal, that was the big question mark, and for Heal, he's done a much better job at the double-A level of really um, getting control there. For Medina, you see the similar struggles. He's a little bit younger, um, and so, I mean, the walks are, are definitely there, um, but that strikeout percentage is at just under 40%. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, he has, uh, let's see, 19 walks right now over 32 and two-thirds innings. That is an average of 5.23 walks per nine, which would be uh, one of the highest marks of his career, um, you know, and not exactly where you want those walks to be. No, ab- absolutely not. But he's a younger guy. That's that's certainly the focus. And you're going to get that when you have a guy throwing 101. That's usually the struggle when they have that kind of velocity is reining things in and uh, knowing when to rear back and maybe when to take one or two miles per hour off and really focus on the in on the precision. Precision will certainly keep our eye uh, on that, but. At this double-A level, it's kind of, as we've said all along, almost that make-or-break point. That's when we're going to really get a good idea. Can Medina make some adjustments? And maybe right off the bat, he can't. But throughout the entire course of this uh, season that we have left here, about a third of the way through, can he improve? Maybe he will struggle coming out of the gates. Maybe he'll be lights out. But we just hope that we see that, and the Yankees certainly hope they see improvement throughout the season. Yeah, there's a number of very strong pitching prospects in the Yankees organization, but it seems the consensus always circles back to Medina having the highest ceiling of those prospects. He's made seven starts with Hudson Valley, so it makes sense for the Yankees to start to get a little aggressive and push Medina to the double-A level. Uh, Again, we don't have any confirmation on this yet, but push him to the double-A level and see at that make-or-break stage, as you mentioned, Brandon, uh, how he would shake out. It's important for us to mention it's not just Medina that's been rumored to be transferred up to Somerset. Uh, There's a couple of other uh, pitchers that we should talk about, one of whom, Ken Waldachuk, has arguably been one of the best pitchers in all of minor league baseball so far this season for what he's done in Hudson Valley. And he's kind of taken things by storm. I mean, not to look over him or what he's done so far in his career, but he was a fifth-round draft pick in 2019 out of St. Mary's College in California. So I don't know that the bar was really set uh, where he's elevated it to uh, so far this season. A 2-0 record across 30 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has not allowed a run, and he's potentially outdone Medina. Five more strikeouts, six less walks. I mean, he has been unbelievable. Opposing batters at the high A level are hitting just 120 against Waldachuk. I I think we need to zero in on on something that you mentioned there for a moment. Uh, I don't want to gloss over it at all. Zero runs allowed over 30 and two-thirds innings. In this day and age, I know that pitching numbers are up. But that is not easy to do. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And even going back to you know rookie ball in 2019 with Pulaski, 
he only allowed two home runs across 29 and a third innings pitched. Yeah, I mean, what Waldachuk has done this year has been so impressive. And, you know, going into the season, he wasn't ranked in the top 30 for the New York Yankees organization, according to Baseball America. Uh, he was ranked as the number 27 prospect, according to MLB Pipeline coming in. Um, he's a southpaw. Uh, so he would be one of two left-handed pitchers, or one of three left-handed pitchers if Matt Crook and J.P. Sears are still with the team, and we'll get into that in a moment. But, uh, you know, so the expectations, like you mentioned, Brandon, weren't quite there. MLB Pipeline going into the season said that his ceiling was really around like a number four starter. Uh, but so far this season, to not allow an earned run over this stretch of games, um, you know, seems like a higher ceiling than a number four starting pitcher. And also, we should bring up, in addition to Ken Waldachuk, Hayden Wozneski, who is pretty much like the third guy when you talk about Hudson Valley with their strong arms, but I don't want to look past him because, again, you know, another strong arm that could be coming here to Somerset that has put together a strong season. And a t another 2019 draft pick. He came in the fifth round out of uh, Sam Houston State University. So, again, a guy that maybe didn't have this the biggest target uh, to be a huge performer for uh, the Yankees organization. But with Hudson Valley shining another starter through seven appearances, 36 and a third, 47 Ks, that's a common theme. Big strikeout guys for the Yankees. Uh, only nine walks as well, and he's got a one four nine ERA. So we th we see three starters potentially again. Big asterisk there. Potentially getting the call up to Double A, and that can only seem like maybe three starters with the current Patriots are getting elevated. Well, I I want to talk to you about that, Brandon, because. You know, with these three guys coming in, similar when Oswald Peraza got called up to Somerset, you know, we've heard Julio Mascara say Peraza is going to get playing time. He's a top regarded prospect in the Yankees organization. He's not getting called up to double A to not play or right. to split time. Right. So the expectation would be, you know, right now, Wesneski, Medina, Waldachuk, they're all in the starting rotation in Hudson Valley. If they get called up to Somerset, they're not going to be then taken out of the starting rotation and be long men they're likely going to get their starts. So where does that leave Somerset moving forward? Well, it certainly leaves the Yankees with some moves to make. I think maybe the most uh, plausible place you start is with um, the one of the top pitchers the Patriots have had and certainly the headliner for Somerset, and that's in Luis Heal. I mean, Heal has kind of done everything that he's been asked of. He the, the big question mark was command, and he's really gotten that in check. 13 walks across 30 and two-thirds innings pitch. I believe it's the lowest uh, walk rate that he's had throughout his professional career, um, and it's also the highest strikeout rate that he's ever had. So Heal has really met the the high bar that uh, I know we set for him and uh, I'm sure that the Yankees set for him a 264 ERA just the one one record although keep in mind um, really all of the Patriots pitchers and all pitchers across affiliated ball I should say been on pretty tight uh, pitch counts to to start uh, the season out but heel has been phenomenal and that slider looks just incredible. It is such a good secondary pitch for him. We're also seeing that changeup come on a little bit as well. Well, it certainly makes sense to have Heal uh, eventually get called up to AAA. Looking at the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders rotation right now, and you know, is there space for a couple of these guys to get called up to AAA? And 
it looks like the answer to that short answer would probably be yes, because there's only been four different pitchers for the Rail Riders this season that have made at least six starts. Davey Garcia, one of the top prospects in the Yankees organization, he's one of them, uh, and he's somebody that can go a little back and forth uh, at the major league level. Albert Abreu is a reliever that has been going back and forth between the major league level. Um, looking at some of the other starters, Nick Green, uh, he is 0-1 with a 6-4-6 ERA. He's made seven starts. Um, you know, past that, the only other guy to make seven starts, Brody Corner, uh, who has been in the Yankees organization for some time now. This is now uh, his second season, uh, rather, oh, pretty much third season at the AAA level. He's made seven starts. After that, Brian Keller has made six starts. So it seems as though there would be openings in Scranton for a Luis Heel. And then once we get past Heel, you look at maybe another starting pitcher that the Patriots currently have that has proven himself at this level. We were talking a little bit before we came on the air. Maybe that guy's Matt Crook. That would make sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. Matt Crook is uh, another guy that's been consistent. And as we've said, when you look at the six starters that we've seen from Somerset, most have been fairly consistent. Uh, Matt Crook and uh, even Jansen Junk, has his stuff right there up with Crook, who we've seen maybe have a little more of a leash uh, than Junk so far this season through 29 and third. Crook, the lefty, at 215 ERA, just 11 walks, 44 Ks. I mean, he's been really good. It's hard to say anything other than that. And, and you could also make an argument that he's kind of, you know, paid his dues mm-hmm. to a certain extent. I mean, he had two seasons at the AA level in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Uh, he's now had a lot of success at the AA level this season with Somerset. And some of the other names that could potentially have an opportunity to get called up to AAA, you mentioned Jansen Junk, uh, Glenn Otto, mm-hmm. J.P. Sears, Sean Semple. Those guys, not as much experience which would make sense for then Crook to be the guy that gets called up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one name that we might have left off the list to this point that probably, to me, is logically that third man. It's not a starter, but it's been the top Patriots reliever in Greg Weissert, kind of that most trusted arm in the pen. The ERA uh, south of one. He's made 12 appearances leading the way for Somerset and through 12 and two-thirds has only allowed one earned run with 20 Ks. Oh, Weissert has operated pretty much as the team's closer so far this season. Uh, so that would be a significant loss for Somerset. Maybe somebody like Steven Ridings would uh, would step into that role. I mean, Weissert appeared in 14 games with uh, at the AA level in 20 2019. So this being kind of his second season with experience in double A would make sense that he would be another guy. You know, and again, all of this is not confirmed yet. We don't have any uh, inside information. Uh, We've just heard the rumors and of course think that it's it's worth discussing because Brandon, this is a Patriots team that already has the stats to back up one of the most impressive pitching staffs in all of minor league baseball. I mean, you, you look at what Somerset's done. I know Frisco, the Rough Riders, mm-hmm. um, have been in that conversation as well because we're always looking at the stats. But you have a rotation and a bullpen that collectively have been one of the most impressive pitching staffs in all of minor league baseball. And now, you know, with transactions, some guys who have been impressive here might get called up. But the names that are coming in, I don't know. They, they feel like they could even add more to what's already been such a strong start. Well, I think the biggest thing is... These guys are our top 30 prospects, and not to overlook any of the names that we have on the current roster, but 
that brings a certain excitement to Yankees fans and, and kind of expands the scope outside of just Patriots fans. I mean, we were so excited when Luis Heal was first uh, assigned to the Patriots and then we got the the roster and at first we weren't sure if we would actually make it after uh, pitching at the alt site to start the year and being at Big League Spring Training. But when we got that opening day roster, it was so great to see his name there. It, it just brings a little bit of a different different feel to it. Um, and brings even more excitement, and and I know for us a little more realism in this uh, this affiliation with the Yankees. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey health plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. We just had a lengthy conversation about some of the potential prospects that could be coming up here to Somerset. Let's take a look around the rest of the New York Yankees minor league organization with check-ins with the Tampa Tarpons, the Hudson Valley Renegades, and the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Railriders. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Basile. For the first time this season, Tampa took on the Clearwater Threshers, the low-A affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies. Entering play on Sunday, Tampa has won three out of the first five matchups, dropping a pitcher's duel 2-1 to one on Tuesday before winning a slugfest on Wednesday by an 11-8 final. Tampa has won the last two games by scores of 6-4 and 5-4 over Clearwater and enter Sunday's matinee with the best record in minor league baseball, 25 wins and 10 losses through 35 games. Anthony Volpe led the way for Tampa this week, hitting 368 for the Tarpons with one home run and five runs batted in. The former first-round pick of the New York Yankees is now hitting 291 on the season after a slow start and has picked up the load offensively for the Tarpons. Right-hander Beckway takes the mound for Tampa in the series finale with Clearwater today and after the day off Monday, Tampa will start a new series taking on second-place Bradenton on Tuesday. Hi everyone, this is Rob Adams, and this is Renegades Recap. The Gades moved from Wilmington up to Brooklyn to visit the Cyclones for the second time this season. Once again, rain thwarted plans, so the series opened with a doubleheader on Wednesday at Maimonides Park. In Game 1, Hudson Valley got a leadoff home run from Josh Smith to take an immediate one nothing lead. The 14th-ranked prospect in the Yankees system takes over for Oswald Peraza, who Mark Schwartz will tell you about at Somerset. The Gades added a two-run shot from Ezekiel Duran and four pitchers combined on a five-hitter for a 3-2 win. 
The Renegades lost game two, five to three. Kyle McDonald hit a two-run homer. On Thursday, Mitch Spence, Barrett Lowski, and Zach Green combined to allow just two hits and one walk, and James Nelson singled in Brandon Lockridge for a one-nothing win. Brooklyn's pitching deserves a note for allowing just three hits. The game's lone run was unearned. To Friday, where the bats broke out for 10 hits in an 8-0 route. The Renegades accounted for three doubles, a triple, and home runs from Evan Alexander and Ezekiel Duran. On the mound, Ken Waldachuk continued his mastery of high A East with a one-hitter through six. He walked three and struck out ten. Waldachuk has yet to allow a run this season in over 30 innings of work. Elvis Pagaro and Charlie Ruger finished off the two-hitter. Finally, the Gades won their third in a row on Saturday, nipping the Cyclones 5-4. Trailing by one in the ninth and down to their last out, Eduardo Torrealba singled to tie the game. He would score later in the inning on a single by Evan Alexander. Hudson Valley is a game out of first and begins a set at home with Jersey Shore on Tuesday. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. With this look at the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Heading into play Sunday, scranton Wilkesbury's 22-11, a first-place club from AAA East Northeast. Team picked up an extra-inning win last night, 6-4 final, their first extra-inning game of the season. Outfielder Socrates Brito drove in a couple of runs, including a sack fly early and an insurance run late with the single. Despite the fact that Brito has been around professional baseball for over a decade, still working with Rail Riders hitting coach Casey Dykes and the coaching staff during the alternate site in this season on tinkering his game to make him big league ready for New York. I mean, like, we start to change, like, uh, my routines and start to, like, uh, getting on BP during BP, throwing balls just to get like uh like a it's a real game and it's, it's been like really good it's helping me a lot and like like you see in the game like it's it's a lot of better a lot of better contact better at bats that's pretty good with the next man up mentality brito has truly embraced that keeping himself set in case there's a call to new york someday i mean the sooner you you got this uniform and and you and this team they, they're always a chance like Always a chance. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, but I'm not thinking like really here and that's going to happen. It's going to happen, bro. Right now, I just, I just focus and do good here. And if the call coming, I'll be ready for it. Rail Riders finish off their series against Buffalo in Trenton. Back at home on Tuesday night against the Syracuse Mets. All right, Brandon, we are gearing up for another big six-game series here at TD Bank Ballpark. Uh, any final thoughts before we get going with this uh, series against Richmond? Just excited, and, uh, you know, for the Patriots, we saw them bounce back really well after a tough series against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats down in Manchester. They beat up on Hartford, then faced New Hampshire a second time, and they took three of five for the Patriots here. I think a really good opportunity to bounce back against uh, a Richmond team that is pretty good, although they're not faring well in that Southwest division. The record is pretty good. They got some really good pitching, um, and we'll see if the Patriots' offense can get get back on track. Well, we've got a 7.05 p.m. first pitch on Tuesday. Exciting games all week long. Back-to-back firework shows Friday and Saturday, and then Father's Day, of course, on Sunday. It should be a fun and exciting week here at the ballpark. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, enjoy this week of Somerset Patriots baseball. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. 
Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.